0: Okay, we are now recording. Alright. I guess what, yeah, we talked about starting
1: uh, with a uh, general background of my relationship with Dave. Is that, is that a, still an okay thing with you?
0: Yeah, that's the big question everybody had was, uh, how did you become the lawyer?
1: Yeah, well, Dave and I, I phoned Dave yesterday, quite frankly, to refresh my memory, and it turns out we've refreshed each other's, uh, because we sort of remembered pieces of it. Uh, Closest thing I could come up with is that uh, he and Denny got a referral from their then accountant, and uh, so they marched in. Uh, Because they needed some corporate work done with Artwork Vanaheim at that first session. And uh, I remember the two of them coming. Dave doesn't remember that at all. But uh, uh, what in a sense happened was that they uh, decided to carve up the responsibilities. And Denny would be the point person with me. And then Dave would go back and... Create the life out of himself and uh, and do the and do the comic. So I was retained to be their corporate lawyer, and uh, as that morphed into a relationship, eventually sort of a friendship, um, I found myself uh, on occasion being out of my depth, particularly when Dave started talking about intellectual property matters and rather arcane ones at that. And so I didn't refer him out. I think he found a, a, either an intellectual property lawyer or thought himself as he dealt with the comic book publishers. And I, I ended up uh, doing the corporate compliance stuff, dry as dust, the corporate compliance stuff, annual minutes, and then dealing with some contracts through Denny, but Denny would be the one who came to the office, and uh, and then that, that carried on until, I guess, Denny and Dave uh, uh, split up, and uh, then Dave and I started working together, and that's how it, uh, how it all began. No magic in it, but that happened uh, a number of times where I got referrals from Accountants or other clients, and that's how I arranged to have new
0: clients. Okay.
1: Story of the practice of law.
0: Were you involved with the uh, copy or the counterfeit uh, service number one at all? Or was that before they hired you? Yeah, either before or during, and they had separate legal representation on that if they had legal representation. Uh. The the, the the history goes that they contacted a lawyer at some point and the lawyer basically said, there's nothing I can do because it's not illegal to counterfeit comic books. Not
1: illegal what, sir?
0: It's not illegal to make a counterfeit comic book, or at least at the time it wasn't, is, is what they were oh, told. Oh, I see. Okay, I don't
1: think, I don't recall giving that advice.
0: Well, yeah, and it's, it's entirely possible that was, that that happened before they hired you. Yeah, could be. Somebody could asked... There's also, as I call it, there was a there's something with Marvel and, and Wolveroach and I, I wasn't involved in that either.
1: Dave, I remember Dave telling me about it, but I think they had either, as I say, legal representation on, on that separate legal representation or Dave just winged it on his own. He's not... He's not unintelligent. Uh, intelli- that's
0: for sure. So you, you would learn quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I remember right, with the Wolver it was it was very much Marvel sent a cease and desist letter, and Dave talked about it in the back of a book. But it was just a, it was a it was a boilerplate cease and desist. There was something somebody in legal sent, and editorial came back and and they retroactively licensed it to Dave for a dollar so that he wouldn't get... Oh, I see. That's s- worth it, Yeah. yeah. And, and said, if you're ever going to do this again, ask permission first. And Dave went, yeah, you're going to say no, so I just won't do it again. Well, you
1: know, in that case, it's probably a good thing he went on his own because you go in with a lawyer and that doesn't necessarily... All the defenses spring up, all the shields right. are activated. And uh, and all helvetics loose, so he probably got a good result because he went well.
0: Right. Uh, so I'm, that answers how I became the lawyer.
1: And, um, and somebody also sent a question in saying, "Why all of a sudden you're giving up your comp copies space?" Uh, <laughs> because we've downsized our house Uh, and and are selling our house and have bought a considerably smaller condo and uh, certain things didn't fit in. And the the comic book collection and other collections, I've had about two or 3,000 books. And so uh, corners had to be cut. And besides, the more... I'll I'll go into that story because I I went with Dave and this is recent history Um, I went with Dave I took along my daughter who had probably read some of the comic books as she grew up together with her husband who happened to be Muslim and uh, and so I wanted particularly her husband to meet Dave and uh, as Dave and I chatted and well, four of us talked back and forth. I said to Dave, "You know, I, I really can't keep these, and I don't want to sell them. I'm like, well, I don't need the money. I'd rather, uh, I'd rather donate them in some way. Do you know where I can donate it?" And he came back with, "Well, um, there are a couple of charities I support. If if you said a couple, probably the likelihood is more than that." in Kitchener-Waterloo area. And I said, well, we'll rhyme them off. Who are they? And so he rhymed off a couple, and the, s- the second one was a food bank of Water- Waterloo Region. And I said, great, because my Rotary coach worked with that, Rotary, that uh, particular charity on uh, something we call the Turkey Drive, where we buy turkey dinners and gifts for needy families around Christmas time. And uh, the food bank has been top-notch organization to work with. So uh, I can support that. He said, great, okay, well, we'll set it up so
0: that the proceeds go to the food bank. That's how it works. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, trying to think what other questions we had. Well, I've got the, I've got the list here. Let me just see
1: you end up becoming part of our then at attorney. Well, we've talked that. Um, How many of your clients did you retain when you switched from full-time solicitor to part-time solicitor? Well, that's one of Dave's questions to me. And uh, we talked about that yesterday on the phone. What happened was that I uh, was with a law firm and then was approached by an investment management firm to become an investment advisor because i had an interest in investments from my business school degree back at the university of western ontario in london ontario and uh, where i went to law school and i retained that interest in stocks and uh morphed into technical analysis which is like reading tea leaves even to some investment advisors because you look at charts and you discern from that trends and possible booms in the stock price. And uh, so that seemed to give this investment management group the idea that I knew something about investments. And they said, well, we, we are, have accountants and lawyers who are taking their practices and morphing them into an investment management practice by uh, having their clients invest with us And, uh, you become a partner and then you do legal work for a while. You continue as long as you want to. And, uh, you can do both legal work and investment management work, which is perfect mix for me. Because then what I did was to speak to my, uh, clients and and talk them into taking the money they earned by not listening to my legal advice (laughs) and, uh, and investing in and then over time uh, culling the client list so that I wasn't working with as many uh, clients as I had before and that's I guess Dave's question why why me why did you keep me at that group because I didn't handle Dave's investments and I said well I had a couple of tests one was the investments the other was that I didn't want to act for jerks and you weren't a jerk Uh, not quite the contrary, so he seemed mollified by that response, and uh, and uh, that's the explanation. Satisfied his curiosity on that one. And Dave, the relationship I have with Dave is have had and continue to have is that I, you know, I really enjoyed uh, talking to him. We didn't, we never had a social relationship, didn't you know, go to each other's houses and socialize, but uh, I always enjoyed talking to him. Matt, you were telling me that when you speak to him, the time passes rather quickly. And uh, I found him to be uh, a guy who appreciated irony, which I think is an important ingredient in getting through life. Yeah. and uh, And he had more than a dash of Cynicism, which I also identified with. But if you have to be to practice law, the whole point of law is to imagine what might go wrong and uh, or who might, who's telling you the truth, including your client. And uh, so I, I, both those ingredients endeared him to me. He also had an inquiring mind. I mean, the guy was, he, I'll back up a bit. I thought. Uh, business law at both the universities in town, University of Waterloo, which gave birth to the Blackberry, which will come as some surprise to your listeners who you probably thought it was an American invention. And uh, Wilfrid Laurier University, which is also in, in Waterloo, taught business law there at night, three nights a week for 16 years. And when I dealt with the students there, uh, I just loved it because they weren't like my clients. My clients would ask, well, when are you going to have this done? Preferably tomorrow. And uh, how much is it going to cost me? Preferably for kids. Whereas the kids would say, why? You know, you're telling us that the law evolved from, contract law evolved from the Industrial Revolution in the UK. And, you know, why are these concepts the way they are? And so I would, explain the history of it, and it forced me to be on top of history, too, because when you're studying English literature, as I was, and taking my master's degree part-time, I found that I needed to know the context of the works I was reading, and of course, you can't read Dickens without knowing about the Industrial Revolution, or Blake, with his dark satanic mills, because obviously those sprang from the Industrial Revolution. And to make the Industrial Revolution work, you needed contract laws that favored the entrepreneurs and the industrialists. So if you read those works against the backdrop of what was going on in the world, they made a hell of a lot more sense. And so the why that, um, that Dave would express, who I found quite refreshing. Reminded me of my days when I was a associate professor, and
0: and I, I liked it a lot. Okay. I know that uh, I mean D- Dave. Dave has expressed that you know, in in the comic book field, there'll be subjects will come up like the rights to certain characters and you know, what What should be done, and Dave's always been a proponent of, you know, if two guys are fighting over a character, both of you do it, and let the market decide what's better, because otherwise it's just a make-work project for lawyers. And, you know, he, he, he's always had, it always seems like he's had a, a negative co- view of lawyers, but I think that's as a profession, not, you know, as people. I think you know, as people, it's, you know, hey, people are great. It's just, you know, you know, in 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 the comic book field, a lot of a lot of the problems come from well, you know, we went and talked to the lawyer, and the lawyer says that it's ours.
1: Yeah, and so let's go ahead and fight about
0: it. Protect your rights. Yeah, and spend millions. Yeah, you see. Yeah, I I, I know I know there's a, that that uh, that belief, but if you're a proper lawyer someone
1: who has the interest of if your clients at, at heart, uh, as I like to think ahead, uh, you give them the straight goods, depending on uh, what will be the best thing for them, cheapest or fastest or most satisfying, and cut through all the crap. I wasn't a litigation lawyer, never did litigation work, uh, And frankly, litigation lawyers tend to be more combative because that's how they earn their money. And uh, if you're a personal injury lawyer in Canada or the US, you know, time's on your side. So you don't want to settle because the people you're acting for, if you're acting for plaintiffs, might have something else go wrong with them and you can blame it on the accident or the negligence or whatever. And if you're getting a contingency fee, then that increases your take-home pay. So I can so I can see where that attitude is is has sprung. Uh, I've never found that with Dave, but I, I, and, and, I, and me, I, I just uh, I try to give him confident. Sometimes advice he didn't want to hear, <laughs> and. Uh, And he always seemed to consider it and either listen to it or not. And that was was fine by me. I
0: I got a sense from stuff I've heard from Dave over the years is that a lot of his legal questions are can we do this and if not, why? Yeah.
1: That's the why I was talking about.
0: Yeah.
1: It wasn't just yes or no or um it's going to cost you It's explain how the law reads that way. And I found that interesting to have a client who would want to know how the law evolved to, that to, 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 we were talking about, that is dealing with his situation. And in some cases, as we've seen recently, he's, uh, he's learned, he's a pretty able student because <laughs> He drafted a release, your readers may not know. In order for you to talk to me about him in such a candid way, I was worried about solicitor-client privilege and the need for me to keep confidential any communications my clients have with me. And he drafted a release, which I told him yesterday was uh, pretty good. No typos, no grammatical errors, hit all the legal points, and uh, I uh, told him yesterday it had my blessing as soon as I read it. Well, it, you know, he's a he's a uh, a quick read. That's for
0: sure. That that that's what makes his his some of his current project or I shouldn't say his current project a project he ended up abandoning. He was researching the death of Alex Raymond, the cartoonist who created Flash Gordon, and. The I guess the research was getting up into the thousands of pages, because he was gonna learn everything he could, and and it yeah. seems like every answer comes up with twelve more questions. Yeah.
1: Yeah, an inquiring mind can be a bit of a curse at times, and and uh, he, he he's very very thorough. Yeah, and everything I saw him do for sure. Somebody asked me, you know, did I find any particular joy or satisfaction in having a comic book writer, artist, self-publisher as a client? Something different from your regular clientele? Yeah, that's for sure. And I've just explained why. (laughs) All right. What What else do we have here? Oh, oh, I don't. We talked yesterday about uh, the drafting I did. He liked plain language drafting. He didn't like legal documents with legalese, which is why I like that release, because it was plain language. Um, So many lawyers are afraid of not using the tried and true formulaic language they learned in law school. Give, devise, and bequeath. There are subtle differences in those three words, but not much, not enough to keep all three of them. And I tried to draft documents which uh, were clear to lay persons, uh, and I did it in a selfish way. One, well, for two reasons. One, it gave me a lot of satisfaction to. To have shorter agreements and and have them more to the point. Secondly, I like the 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 crafting of of musty old legal documents, wills, last wills and testaments, that kind of thing. And you know, just it made more sense. And thirdly, I just thought of a third reason. It gave me an advantage in, in in working for my client because if we were in negotiations with another lawyer and his client, and it was my agreement that they were, we were negotiating over. So I always tried to draft the first agreement. The other client would be able to understand what it was, wouldn't have to go to the priest confessor lawyer, uh, he was paying to interpret it and uh, and who, would put his or her spin on whatever the words were, even in my presence. So, in effect, I could make points and be talking directly to that other client, which is where of course, you're not allowed to speak to another, uh, another lawyer's client uh, without the lawyer being present, but even while the lawyer was there without sort of addressing your comments to the lawyer. And uh, because of that, you could get you know the lawyer would say well you know mr jenkins i think we should be changing this and changing that and the other client would say no I, I understand what he's getting at let's leave it the way it is or let's look and make this change and it worked like a charm so many times that i insisted on doing it with documents which didn't require negotiation like last wills and testaments and trusts and the state freeze documents that type of thing that there wasn't anybody on the other side of when you were drafting them, and uh, so Dave—that caught Dave's fancy. I think again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't see Dave being a very big party of the first part. Shall be known as the party of the first part, kind of guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times the other lawyers would be loath to do that because they were they'd never really thought about changing the, the magic formula. A gift of and decrease, I mean, it's been adjudicated a gazillion times. I know that's going to work. And I'm not sure of what each means, or I don't have the guts to make a change and just say, I give to such and such, this item, or this amount. And so there's it. And the younger lawyers were, were more prone to that than the older lawyers. The older lawyers would have had some experience with tinkering with documents and and departing from convention. The younger lawyers were terrified out of law school, making changes in the documents. Well, they were having trouble remembering the, the class material, you know? <laughs> right.
0: So what else we have here I've got I've got that list you've, you've got the ones you sent me too yeah
1: with a, yeah and the practice that I, that I had and this affects the way I dealt with Dave morphed from a straight corporate law practice into estate planning um and uh uh, sort of the state administration after the client died, practiced, and so as a result, I was doing his will. I was also doing Gerhardt's too. Uh, I acted for Gerhardt on his, his summer state planning work, and got both their approval to do that, as I had to, and was able to keep both both of them arms length and exchange, you know. Certainly, keep confident, gone in confidence, anything one said to me. Uh, but when one of the questions was, tell me about that breakup. And frankly, I don't know much better other than what the two of them told me. And they they obviously got together, worked it out like adults would, or as adults would, and, uh, and came to me with, here's how we're going to do it. Which is fine by me. Um, if they both agreed to it already, I, I mean, I'd point out perhaps I did, but uh, I would point out things they missed or hadn't considered. Uh, uh, but with those two, uh, they pretty well crossed the T's and dotted the I's, you know, as completely as I would want to. So all I did was paper it, you know, through the documentation. Uh, give it to them in plain language, of course, and they could understand it. And uh, then the deal was done. And what I found with both of those guys is that they were honest as the day was long. And that, you can't believe, is a rare commodity in clients because sometimes they only tell you what they want you to hear. Uh, But in dealing with each other, they were both fair and reasonable. And, I would like to thank party friends. I've talked to Fairhart in a long time, and uh, yeah, that, that was a pleasure. When you see when you see things work out, where you, they really don't need you, and and uh, and, and things are, don't have to get acrimonious and expensive for them, um, that warms the cockles of whatever. Heart
0: a lawyer has. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think the two of them have communicated since, you know, you know, I, you know, I don't think they're sending Christmas letters, but at the same time, I know that, uh, you know, Dave's, you know, being honest, it's, you know, a, percentage of everything that comes in I I forget exactly what it is. He sends to Gerhard as, you know, this is this is your share of whatever I made off of our work because, you know, it as Dave has said, it's Gerhard's work. It's not like, you know, Dave's going to just okay, you know, never darken my doorway again. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, that that's the only way to if you're if you're splitting up the, the team, it's the only way to do it because otherwise it's going to be well, you know what, you know, you're screwing the other guy and it's going to get out and then people are going to be, well, you got to pick sides. Yeah, for sure. And as fans, none of us have ever wanted to be like, all right, you know, it's Dave or Gary, you got to pick one. It's always been, no, no, you know, whatever happened between them happened between them and, you know, it's for us to wonder, but it, it's none of our business, really. Yeah. That, that, that's how I've always looked at it. But then again, uh, apparently Gerhard told Dave that they wanted to split up at Salt when they were doing a signing in Salt Lake City, and I was at the signing hanging out with them the whole weekend. And, I'm, and I keep going back to, was it something I said that gave Gerhard the idea <laughs> that I don't want to be in the team anymore? And yeah. I've, ne- I've never asked because I don't want to know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Did somebody ask whether I had ever seen them? Uh, work together, and like actually uh, watch them put together a comic book edition, and and I haven't. Um, I I didn't know much about the White House, uh, for example. I didn't know that was the hub they were using. So I, I think Dave has given the impression by sort of publishing his dealings with me, which again was a novelty for me. But I had a quiet broadcasting what kind of advice I was giving him. It was a bit scary. Um, he, uh, you know, it just, it, it, it seemed to work uh, as well as could be. And um, it, it was a learning experience for both of us, that's for sure. Right. Some of the other questions that were posed were, I, well, Denny and Dave, uh, I wasn't involved in that at all except to be told what was happening um, because I don't do matrimonial law. I tried to stay away as, as far as I could from litigation law. Um, and the main reason was that it's so chaotic. Uh, you never know what a witness is going to say. You're at the mercy of a jury or judge not as clean as, as doing, as doing a, a will or an agreement, that type of thing. And I've had more than enough experience with the pathology of human relationships and doing uh, wills and estates, especially the things that beneficiaries would fight over, which shocked me. It wasn't usually the money. It was the Royal Dalton figurines and the dog and, you know, crazy stuff. And I would imagine that matrimonial law would be the same kind of thing. So I'm just as... just as I'm always relieved that clients don't drag me into their matrimonial problems. Happy to refer them.
0: Dave says I did give them a referral, and I can't remember who, but... That seemed to work out again, too. Right. I know that, uh, that's, years ago, my mom had a, a set of friends that I used to babysit their kids, and they ended up getting divorced, and it was, they had to go through their contact list of, of, you know, who's, who's going to be my friend, who's going to be your friend, and my mom was the one who said, I'm going to be both of your friends, you know, you know, I was friends with both of you beforehand, I'll be friends with both of you afterhand, you know, so don't complain to me about the other one type thing. And my mom pretty much stuck to it of, you know, if if the guy wanted to complain about his ex-wife, my mom went, well, I don't care. And if she, the ex-wife wanted to complain about her ex-husband, my mom was like, well, that's great, but I don't care. And was Yeah, fr- commendation for well, mom, that's for sure. That's a real wire act.
1: Yeah, Especially when the parties want to involve you. They want to list you and either cry on your shoulder or get advice or whatever. But yeah, it's it's not
0: easy to do. Yeah, that, that was my mom. It was it was very much a you know, she had the line, and when they got up to it, it was okay. That's it. I'm I'm done for now.
1: people in the dim past before COVID, and uh, we would reserve 10 minutes at the beginning of the evening to talk about ailments, and then that was it. (laughs) (laughs) For me, we should do the same with personal troubles whenever you get together with somebody. Okay. Vent for five minutes, and then let's move on.
0: (laughs) Right. Let's see, what else is on the list here? Uh, Just trying to think if there's anything on the list. Well,
1: Dave asked the question what was the book you were writing with John English, uh, who wouldn't be known to your non Canadian listeners or readers? Um, He was a member of parliament and uh, a good friend and neighbor. And he seemed to think I was involved in writing the Trudeau books. Uh, John uh, wrote a a book on uh, Pierre Trudeau, two books on Pierre Trudeau, and who knows, maybe he's even gonna be involved with Dustin, but uh, I think what Dave was thinking of when he made the comment was the fact that I went with John to, Library book sales, and that's how I've got my two or three thousand books. Because we would go through these books and come back with carloads. Nothing that uh, library that I built for the master's degree in English, as I say, is you know mainly a working library. So I didn't have to get up off out of my chair at home trying to do that when I was doing my legal work. Of my uh, English work at night and try to go to the university library to read a text or a book or a critical analysis. I'd have it handier if it were in a bookcase beside me. And I still have lots of them there because I haven't read them all yet. Somebody asked about I Claudius and that advice they gave them trust no one. Right. Um, and I don't know whether. He's mentioned that he mentioned it once. He told me, but apparently he's mentioned it more often than that. And uh, I'm I'm one for aphorisms. Shakespeare's is a is a love of mine, and and so is Dirty Harry. Uh, because it, you know, man's got to know his limitations, and deserves got nothing to do with it. All that they're very handy things to have at your at at, at your command when you're meeting situations. And Dave, we were talking about something, I can't remember what, maybe it's Will, because we were talking about structuring it, whether he should have someone as a, an attorney under a power of attorney while he was alive. And for the American listeners, attorney in Canada just means that. It means an attorney under a power of attorney. It only takes effect during the life of the person granting it and attorney at law is a term that doesn't exist in canada whereas attorney under a power of attorney does up here we call them barristers and solicitors and i happen to be a solicitor i was i was qualified as a barrister and solicitor but a barrister goes before the bar or does litigation and as i said i chose not to do that and uh and a solicitor does almost everything else—conveyancing, no um, you know, wills, you know, everything—but getting in the courtroom and putting on a fancy outfit. So I think um, Dave was asking me whether he should trust someone to act as his attorney under a power of attorney, and I suggested that he pick someone he trusted. And he said, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, frankly, it's pretty hard. And I told him about Herod in the TV presentation on Claudius, advising Claudius that trust no one, not even your wife, your parents, and it trust no one, which is pretty extreme advice, obviously. Uh, you, you have to put your hands in... Which put your life or, or faith in someone at some point, but you should not do that without knowing very well the person you're doing it with. And uh, he seemed to use that that little mantra in lots of situations. And repeated it to people, obviously. So that that, that was the occasion in which I. I gave him that advice, and if you're a private person, as I am, and as uh, and as Dave is, uh, you really don't. You aren't forthcoming. You don't have to emote with people, um, and trusting no one is. Maybe trusting no one with your emotions is a is a handy a handy uh, safety mechanism to have
0: hope that answers that particular question anyway. Right. I remember that when Dave needed a power of attorney for medical because Gerhard couldn't do it because it's a conflict of interest to be the medical and the financial and he was, you know, okay, anybody that, you know, in the readers want want to sign up for this and I was, and I was on the the list of guys who were gonna do it, but Dave had conditions, and I wanted to follow all the conditions. And one of them was read the Bible. And as soon as I get it done, I'm gonna let you know, let Dave know. But uh, I, I, it was one of those. It was, it was. You know, a lot of people were like, "Dave's crazy because he's doing this." It's like, well, who else is he supposed to pick? It's a very small inner circle. And I can't imagine, you know, that Dave's got somebody that he trusts well enough to say, "Okay, yeah, you know." Pull Dave's plug or don't pull Dave's plug as the situation arises.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, you're not doing anybody a favor by appointing them as, uh, as a, uh, well, you, I, I still say executor for executrix for the female. Um, but the fancy terminology up here in Ontario is that, uh, well, the administrator with the will annexed. In other words, you have letters of administration with the will annexed, which is a real mouthful when it comes to probate. Uh, probated, it rolls off the tongue more easily, but when you appoint someone in your will, they don't have to accept the position, but you're putting a real onus on them to do so, and you should probably be, have talked to them while your wife, instead of sp- having it sprung on them from the grave it's just like painting a target on somebody's back. If the will is contentious at all, or vague, or or uh, uh, omits critical elements, then it's the administrator, the executor, who has to defend the will and administer the estate. And if he or she doesn't know how to do it, they have to end up in court asking a court's opinion. Um, and that's the only real protection an executor has against lawsuits, personal lawsuits perchance, but certainly lawsuits against the estate. And it's a heavy, heavy responsibility. And Dave's legal situation, uh, his state wishes were very complicated. So, so complex that, that as I morphed from uh, lawyer to investment advisor and and sort of scaled down my practice, uh, I told him I, I couldn't keep up to that extent with the state planning and administration. And I thought he should get another lawyer, and I believe he did, and, and has something, or is working on something, or has something to his satisfaction in that regard.
0: Uh, he, he ended up finding someone that he wants to be his successor as the president of Aardvark-Vanaheim so that when he dies Eddie takes over. And and, and that that's, that's the legal framework is the best case scenario so that no one can come and challenge his will is that he he names the successor so that when he dies somebody else takes over.
1: Yeah, well um, will challenges uh, are myriad and Complex, and you just you can't ins- you can't insure yourself against them. Right. Best you can do is draft it air, as airtight. Thinking of all the permutations and combinations that could happen. People don't die in chronological order, for example, and uh, and making sure that there aren't any gaps in the will that require judicial guidance to interpret. And uh, also that you uh, honor whatever legal obligations you have to support people after you die. And that's a complex complex area. So, that's, that's why I referred him away.
0: And uh, as I say, I think, he's, I think he's done his, either he's doing or ha- has done
1: his planning in that area.
0: I may be wrong. As far as I know, he, he has, but... Like I said, I mean, I know, I know that it's one of those. It, it it was it was very much a this wasn't a we're gonna have an agreement by Tuesday kind of thing. It's it's been years, and as far as I know, it's all settled and locked in. But but even then, I might not know everything. There might still be a few balls up in the air. But I can't imagine. I'm pretty sure Dave's got everything locked down as best he can.
1: Yeah, I mean we. Tried before I before I told Dave that he should get other advice. Uh, we tried to find people, the institutions, the universities. There are a couple of universities I mentioned uh, that I used to teach at and uh, and some other organizations to take it over because a corporation is usually a good idea just to protect from liability. And we could not couldn't convince anybody. Uh, to do it or, or Dave wasn't happy that they un- actually understood what the what he was asking be done as usual he's out there on the fringe of possible and uh, and so you're not going to get uh,
0: some institutions to venture out there with you right plus I know that part of part of leaving it to an institution is that he's looked at estates that have done that, you know, looking for research materials. And, like, uh, Stan Drake, the cartoonist, used he worked from photos. So he, he, in his records, there should be hundreds of thousands of photos because, you know, he he would take photos, you know, take Polaroids and use those for his photo reference doing the strip. And in his estate at whatever university it is, there are two photos. That's it. Wow. Because his his ex wife at the time, uh, when she was donating the papers, a lot of the photos were of his previous ex wife, and he, you know, she probably went, okay, we don't need these types of thing, and it's like, okay, well, that's it, they're gone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be that would be that would be why you want to make sure you have your I's dotted and your T's crossed so that you're not donating a handful instead of the boxes and boxes you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that uh Dave's talking about uh at one at one point it was that He's going to have the house all locked up and you can pay a security guard to watch you walk through it after he dies. And, I, and, and w- at that point in the planning, it was like, well, that's a great idea on paper, but in reality, how well is it going to work? Yeah. And, then, and then he came out with Eddie's taking over and Eddie gets the house and everything in it, so it's Eddie's problem.
1: Complicated world.
0: Yeah, we can't. We, it can't just be simple. Yeah,
1: that's about everything I can think of to, to talk about that I either want want to or
0: or should talk about. Okay, I mean that's you know, that's, I told everybody ask a question. I'll send it up, and if you get an answer, you get an answer, and if you don't get an answer, well, you know, you know we try our best, but at the same time, you know, no, we can't make everyone one hundred percent happy
1: yeah and I think some of the questions sprang from reading uh Dave's uh, depictions of what I talked about with him and and I think people maybe extrapolated from that that I was advising on everything that Dave was involved with and that it, that wasn't the case that it was it was a fairly narrow ambit of responsibility I had with Dave, <coughs> which I enjoyed greatly but uh
0: as Dirty Harry says, a man's got to know his limitations. Correct. Okay.
1: All right, you got enough for your...
0: Oh, yeah, I got more than enough. We got 48 minutes, and that's that's enough for me.
1: <laughs> Probably more than enough for anybody
0: who's going to hear it or read it. <laughs> oh, no, you, you don't understand. There are people that are going to listen to every word of this... And and probably come back with questions and be like, Can you do another one and ask follow ups of uh, if Wolf wants uh, to, yes, and if Wolf doesn't want to, no.
1: Listen, if it helps sell those books and get that get that money in the food bank, I'll be happy to help you with anything. Okay. Remember that. Yeah, I told Dave that yesterday.
0: He was worried that it was too much of an imposition. Uh uh-uh, uh, not when it comes to charity. So, uh I'm sure our paths will cross again, Matt. Okay. Well, I hope they do.
1: Thanks, Thanks for being patient and uh, enjoy talking with
0: you. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to you, too. I mean, okay. this is, it's a side of Dave that a lot of people probably didn't see, which is the, you know, freaking out about whatever situation and, and finding out that, no, no, it's you don't need to freak out, Dave. We got it, we got it in hand.
1: Yeah. Yep, yeah, it's uh. Yeah, it's so fun to talk about once you get into it, that's for sure. So, have a good day. You too. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll be chatting.
0: Okay. Talk to you again. Bye, Matt. Bye. Bye-bye. Alright, everybody. So, uh, Looking for Heroes, I'll put the link up. Has the, has the Wolf Jenkins Collection books? I don't know if they're actually for sale yet, or if it's still being processed, but as soon as I know, I will let everybody else know. And thank you, as always, for listening.